I'm John Caldera, president of Independence Institute. Laura Carno is the executive director of Faster Colorado, a project of independence which trains armed school staff. Over the years, Laura and I have had many conversations about how to prevent school shootings. The one you're about to hear is perhaps our most passionate and urgent. If you care about protecting students and not just promoting symbolic anti-gun legislation, I'd ask you to share this podcast with a friend and follow the show. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV, or just go to thinkfreedom.org. I usually say I hope you enjoy this discussion, but this discussion will anger you. Among all the awesome projects we do at the Independence Institute, one that grabs my attention is run by this lady, Laura Carno, who runs our FASTER program. Thanks for doing this. I think what you do is probably one of the most things that most directly is going to save lives. Yeah, I, I agree. And I hate that every time something happens, you and I are sitting here talking about it again, but it's really important to get the real information out to people. I'm going to take a quick moment here of executive privilege and rant. Um, after the East High School shooting, I watched Mayor Hickenlooper and the chief of police in front of angry parents. And the angry parents, some moms were screaming, why wasn't there a police officer there? And the mayor said, well, you know, the school board kicked the, the police out. And the mother was like, I don't care. Why weren't there police there? And they were yelling at the mayor. And I'm thinking, mayor, you're term limited. This was a perfect opportunity for you to stick your finger in that lady's face and go, listen, you dumb little blank. Elections have consequences. You elected Tay Anderson and a group of socialists who hate the police. Don't you yell at me. Don't you yell at the chief of police. You voted for a bunch of crazed anti-police to kick us out. Go home, look at the mirror, and yell at that idiot. People like you have turned this city into a war zone. You are responsible because there's no cops here. Maybe you ought to yell at them. And I am so sick of what's going on in this city, and I see the kids holding these signs saying, I want to feel safe. What you are doing with FASTER is forcing a conversation about not feeling safe with these placebo laws like waiting periods. All right. You're talking about what it takes to be safe in schools. And I want to dive into what happened at East High School, and I want to dive in what happened out in Nashville. And I believe what you are doing is the tip of the spear on that very difficult conversation about not feeling safe, but being safe. We have to start off with this conversation. Explain what you do with FASTER, and let's explain why this is such a tough conversation. Sure. Uh, and so we're both going to be ranting. Yes. <laughs> on this show. I'm sorry. I can I've, I've, you that. I've lost this because <clears throat> kids are losing their lives because these emotionalists who want to feel safe um, and want to yell and scream, and, and I just keep calling it placebos. They want to talk about waiting periods and this and that. 
when 17-year-olds who are still breaking the laws have no waiting periods are going to continue to do this stuff and these children who keep voting, I'm talking about the adults, don't want to face facts and don't want to save our children. And I've had enough. Yeah. And you've been, we've been working on this for seven years seven now. Seven years, yeah. So, so what we do at Faster, um, there are lots of schools in um, Colorado that have, uh, have passed the policies to have armed security teams. And this is different than school resource officers or full-time professional security. And just it, to be clear, school resource officers are police contracted to the school Correct. District. Um, but these are people who have a job in the school, whether it's a principal or a janitor or a coach or a teacher. Um, they have a job and they're carrying a firearm while they do it, concealed carry firearm. What we do at FASTER is their required annual training. Um, we provide that training. So they've got a test they have to pass. They have certain hours they have to get of, of different kinds of training. And we provide that for them. They do other training throughout the year. Um, we provide that annual training for them. And we, as you said, we've been doing it for seven years. We've met people in 41 of Colorado's school districts um, that have come through our classes, and it's over 300 people so far. I'll tell you that since, um, not, not so much since Denver, but since, since Nashville, we've probably talked to at least 18 more in Colorado. Incredible. All right, I wanna do this part quickly. You and I have done this, but now that we're getting more interest in it, mm -hmm. We have to kind of do this dog and pony show that you and I do pretty sure. well. This is crazy what you're doing, he says. Teachers shouldn't be forced to carry guns in school. This is going to lead to more problems. You're asking teachers to carry guns against the will. They're going to shoot their kids. There's no way they can be as trained as well as police officers. You're just asking for trouble. Sure. So these are the talking points of the uh, the gun control industrial complex, and um, there, none of them are true. So no, n number one, the word teacher. Yes, we do have some of the teachers that are armed, but they represent only about 40% of the folks that we've seen come through our training program. Um, so the other 60% are somebody who are not teachers. So I like to say armed school employees or staff or faculty or educators um, because they're not all teachers. I, I think that there are some people who use the word teacher pur purposely because they want the listener or the viewer to think of a certain person um, when these are all amazing, capable, um, passionate about saving children, um, people who work in schools. So I'll, 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 that's, that's part of my rant and soapbox for that. Um, it, it could be the principal. It could be... The secretary, it could be the coach, it could we, be we the almost, janitor. We almost always have coaches and janitors, um, and some of those folks have a background in in some sort of service, military or law enforcement service. Um, but yeah. And, Why and, force them to do this? Yeah, nobody has ever in the history of these programs nationwide has ever even thought that anybody should be forced to carry a firearm. It, it, would, be, it would be like saying, John, we have the ability to carry concealed here in Colorado, so everybody has to carry a concealed firearm. Nobody would, nobody would think that that was even serious. There's no but they way say they're that. gonna be as well-trained as a cop. Um, they will never be as well-trained as a cop at um, search warrants, arrests, car stops, fingerprints, all those things. Law enforcement does a whole lot of stuff that an armed school employee will never have to do. Um, there, I always say one thing, and then I remember it's two things. They, they learn to stop the killing 
and stop the bleeding. That's it. As soon as law enforcement would, in a situation like this where an armed school employee stopped a killer, as soon as law enforcement gets there, they're done. They, they, they were the first responder. The second responders have arrived. They're done. That's it. They're not as well trained as a cop, even in that situation. Not true. So Quinn Cunningham, who has sit, sat in this, um, this chair himself, he's our lead instructor for FASTER, um, says in every class, in every media interview um, where this comes up, um, law enforcement, they have to learn so many things. They have to be qualified in so many things. FASTER, uh, people who go through FASTER, get more firearms training on a regular on a more regular basis than law enforcement. So so at faster they go through their annual training and then school boards say and here's what you're going to do every month and here's what you're going to do with your local law enforcement every quarter. They they are training a lot more than cops on their firearms. Um, and you'll hear from not just Quinn but other uh, members of law enforcement that um, when they come in to do their annual qualification, there are always um, cops that are like, oh, it's time again, I have to shoot. Where everybody coming through faster, they, they speak about it like, I get to go shooting, not I have to go shooting. So it's a, you don't, I know you've been to class before, you, you can't really understand it until you've been there and you meet the people because they're very different than what the media would have you think are these armed school employees. The other part of it that, I, let me say, as an observer to this class, is you look at Uvalde and you see these cops scared to go in. When it's school employees, even teachers, you know that they are fighting for their lives as well. Yeah. There is no hesitation right. when they are working to try to save their own lives. So they're, they're going to jump in there, and they're going to save their, their, their own lives to do so. And they're already in there. They, they don't have to go from the outside in. They're already in there. And to use Uvalde as an example, there is nobody that could have saved those children in that room besides those two teachers who were in there. And if anybody wants to try and tell me that if you had in that moment given those two teachers the opportunity uh, to have a firearm that they had been trained on to save the lives of those children and possibly go home al alive themselves, of course they would have taken I've it. I've heard people say, wait a second, you're asking teachers to kill their own students. They can't do that. So think about it this way. And um, the there was a teachers union person who just recently said this and it uh, it really made me take a step back and go, she's not thinking this through. This is just a talking point. Most of these killers are either current or former students of the school that they've, that they've gone into. And they are killing other students in that school. So I would respond to that person and say, if you have a classroom full of 20 plus kids and one person who you know killing them and you have the ability to stop this one person from killing all these people, you're just going to let that happen. There, there is no, uh, it is not morally better to let that happen than it is to stop with a firearm that, that person who's killing people, even if you know them. And even in the moment, I can't imagine you, somebody stopping that. You know, somebody saying, I, I'm just gonna sit back and watch more kids die. No, no. And, and what we see in, in, these, in these vast number of schools where this happens where there's nobody armed, um, 
is teachers and the the headmaster or whatever her title was in um, Nashville um, went running toward the gunfire. And I, I'll bet you 10 bucks right here that it is going to turn out that she put her body between bullets and children because it keeps happening, John. These, these school employees, they have the mindset to save children. They keep doing it. Their body is not the way to protect these children. Um, the, the killers kill the teachers, kill the counselors, kill the principal so that they can kill more children. That, that's not okay. And we keep um, expecting, the, the people who are saying that, that school employees don't want to be armed, we expect them to go do very dangerous things unarmed. Is that okay? Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's gonna, my rant. <laughs> I'm going to keep telling you why you're wrong. Okay. The police are going to come see these good guys with guns. They're going to shoot them instead. Yeah, that's um, number one, the least of our worries. Um, if, if, there's, right. if there is somebody there who can stop the killing... Um, we we want that stoppage to happen sooner rather than later. Um, on day one of level one of FASTER, we talk about the link up with law enforcement. Um, and our instructors describe that as, um, aside from confronting an armed killer, the link up with law enforcement is your most danger, is the most dangerous part of this whole thing. And it is your job, we say to the person going through FASTER, it is your job not to get shot by the police. And we go through tactic after tactic after tactic of how not to get shot by the police. Um, I'm not worried about that because I've seen that taught dozens of times. Um, I'm not worried about that. And um, these school employees who go through faster, they know that when they're going after a killer, when they are protecting their school children from a killer, they might die anyway, and they're okay with that. If they didn't have a firearm, they'd, they would die for sure. Let's go to East High School. The idea of police hating school board members, removing SROs, police officers, um, and putting our kids at risk is just so unforgivable. And then this happens. We find out that the shooter is a troubled youth who has been bounced around with a criminal record who is underage, who wouldn't be able to buy a gun to begin with. So a waiting period wouldn't matter. A raising the gun purchase age wouldn't matter. Uh, assault weapon ban wouldn't matter. And what I find so telling about this is that immediately the cowardly school board you know, says, oh, wait a second, we're going to quietly reverse decision, ask the cops to come back in, but it wasn't students who got shot. It were members of the teachers' union who got shot. Right. So when the employees get shot, then we go, oh, 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 we better bring some cops yeah. in here to protect us. Um, I just find this whole thing so infuriating. And I find it infuriating that uh, our legislators and the useful idiots of the students at, at, at the high school who are being exploited by the Bloomberg machine, right. who for weeks now have been running around demanding uh, these placebos, these gun laws that would have done absolutely nothing, um, have and holding signs. I've seen the signs. I want to feel safe. No one wants to have the hard discussion about being safe. What you do 
and the discussions that you are forcing are about how to be safe, and people are really uncomfortable about that. This is a, a bracelet that says Hero for Heroes, and it's about a young man I've gotten to know so very well, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get choked up. I've never met this man, Kendra Castillo, who, like the adults you used to talk about, put himself between kids and bullets at the STEM school in Highlands Ranch. And I've gotten to become friends with his parents, John and Maria Castillo. And these two have been, have been slow, mild, methodic learners about schools, school safety, and they have really become great supporters of the work we're doing at FASTER. Um, and they have come to this, this conclusion that if you want to be safe, this FASTER program is it. Yeah, and if you look at what happened in, um, at STEM school in Highlands Ranch, um, Kendra Castillo, and I wear that wristband myself since the, the day I met the Castillos um, because they raised a hero, um, that was over in a minute. And even though the law enforcement response was so quick, John, um, the only person who could have saved Kendrick that day was the teacher who was sitting in that room had she had the opportunity um, to carry a, a right. firearm at school. Um, you know, Kendrick's the spirit of what we do at FASTER. We, we don't want a child to ever have to make that decision. Um, Kendrick saved an entire classroom of kids. And six other kids were shot. Six other kids were shot. And, and Kendrick um, charged the shooter, um, lunged at him, put him up against the wall, taking the fatal shot um, himself. But that gave a few other also heroes in that classroom time to disarm. There were two shooters that came in through opposite doors to disarm them both. That, that could have been Uvalde before Uvalde had even happened, but for Kendrick. And did you know, John, that it's not, um, STEM, STEM school is not in the list, so to speak, of mass school shootings because of Kendrick. It didn't get to you four know, people. I have never even thought yeah. about that. So it's almost forgotten. Holy hell, I hadn't even thought about yeah. that. Because of this young hero, and this bracelet is just so, so beautiful, that because of him, it's not a mass shooting because he took action. Right. The un-Uvaldi. And there is no way, there is no way any of these gun laws would have changed that. No. No, the, the killers in that case broke into a gun safe with an axe. So you want to talk about safe storage. You want to talk about, you know, un, um, raising an age. They, 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 none of that would have worked and they broke into a, a gun safe with an axe. So none of that would have worked. So we really need axe control. We need axe control, apparently. Um, but, you know, when you look at response time, um, and, and the response time in that one was so quick. There were, it was a block from a substation, something like that. They were there so quickly. But it was over in a, in a minute but for Kendrick. But it's so very uncomfortable <clears throat> to talk about being safe instead of feeling safe. So none of these laws that are, are these placebos all these kids who for weeks, even before the shooting at East High School, since it's the closest high school to the Capitol, it's easy to march down. The Bloomberg machine, well-financed machine, right. has been using these kids as the useful idiots to march down with the signs, pack the State House, overrun it, 
with signs, I want to feel safe. And they're the ones there talking about it. The ghost gun thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I see Chris Hansen out there talking about ghost guns, that you just order the parts, and within three minutes you can assemble sure, a ghost gun. Yeah. I will give Chris <laughs> Hansen every penny I own if he can build a ghost gun in three minutes. Right. You know, so the lies that happen, it, you cannot order the parts and assemble a ghost gun in three minutes. And the media goes along with these lies to scare people. It's all emotions. These laws will pass. Sadly, they will pass. They are placebos. And they will have no impact. What angers me, and I do mean anger, is that they will not save any lives. More kids will die. And these useful idiots under the Bloomberg um, machine are being used to delay the real conversation. Right. What you and John and Maria, Maria Castillo are trying to do will save lives, but it's an uncomfortable conversation. Let's move to Nashville. We're still stunned by Nashville. When we're taping this, we're finding that there's an insurrection at the state capitol in Nashville. Insurrection is a flexible word, apparently, um, when people who are transgender do it, it is, it's for the right purposes. Uh, when, when it's people who believe that the election was stolen, which it wasn't, then it's an insurrection. That shooting also was unforgivable. And immediately, as so many things are, it's the gun's fault. Then we find out the shooter like the shooter in Colorado Springs, had some odd mental issues. But since that mental issue goes to the LGBT community, particularly emphasis on the T, somehow we're supposed to have sympathy for the shooter. I need some explanations here. What am I missing? Yeah, um, well, you you and I don't think like that. So um, it's tough for us to to get our heads around that. But that's exactly what, what they're saying. And the as we're taping this um, um, earlier today, the president's press secretary said that the transgender community is under attack and our hearts are with them. And this is within a couple of days of six people, including three children, losing their lives um, when a killer, and I, I'm not... I, it doesn't in, matter if you're trans or I, I not. I don't care. Right. They, they are a killer. Don't I don't care about pronouns. I don't care about anything. A killer went in there um, to kill innocent people. And um, whatever their reason was, um, whatever their motive, and you know, all, all these things are going to come out in the, in the long run. After um, the emotions die down, but emotions are the weapons of choice for gun sure, control. Sure, today. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Um, but in, in the rest of our lives, John, um, it, it, people are perfectly fine with saying, oh, look, there's the jewelry department at the department store. Um, they have an armed guard there. Totally understand that. Um, there is a, um, there could be a, an air marshal on my airplane or an armed pilot. Totally okay with that. The bank, armed guard when I walk in. Totally okay with that. Um, Congress, the Capitol here in Denver. Everybody's protected by armed guards. Why does the equation all of a sudden change when it comes to our school children? And I think um, our kids, and I'm a grandmother now. I, I, I think about my grandbabies in, in school every day. Um, are you telling me that the jewelry 
the the money in the bank, the congressperson is more valuable than our kids and grandkids. I, I don't understand the idea of um, not being able to say, all of these things are valuable, let's protect all of them. The clothing at a department store has an armed guard. Mm -hmm. We don't think about that. Yeah. But somehow having an armed guard for the most valuable thing we have, our offspring, is somehow perverse. And what it is, is the idea that it's the teacher or the staff member. That's the perverse thing in our head. Right. But yet we don't mind when it's the pilot. And I really have latched on to the idea of the pilot. We don't know that about one in 10 flights we are on has a pilot who has volunteered, he's not paid extra, to carry that gun. He is trained by the air marshals because it is so cost prohibitive to have an air marshal because an air marshal just sits there and does nothing for the whole flight and waits for a hijacker. Eats the peanuts. He eats the peanuts <laughs> and he takes up a seat and um, therefore he can't really do anything until something goes down and somebody tries to hijack. It makes so much more sense to have one out of every 10 flights now if something goes down, there's already somebody there doing everything else. Yep. To train that person and have them armed is the only cost-effective way to keep hijackings down. And we haven't had a hijacking since 9-11. The same thing applies. It's just this weird emotional block we have because, well, it's kids in schools. We're fine with cops. The emotional block of having Teachers trained even better than cops for that one terrible thing, right. but it is the only, I underline only way that it can, it can, we can keep our kids safe because there's no way we can afford the police. Now, Denver has, what, 16 cops? And that's for all the schools? That's not enough. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, the schools that have been... Um, part of armed security plans have been doing this for 17 or 18 years. Um, we've had zero incidents. We've had um, no shootings at those schools, to be certain. Um, but we've also had no kids taking guns away from armed teachers. Um, we've had no accidental discharges or negligent discharges. Any stolen guns? No stolen guns. There have been no problems, John. And so, so all of the things that the the ladies in the red shirts um, with their index cards of questions like to say have never happened. And by the way, we, tr we, we train uh, weapons retention. We, we train methods of deep concealment. We train all of this stuff um, at faster, and, but they've never happened. So all, you know, they're sort of, you know, the boogeyman out there of these terrible things can happen. Well, guess what? You know what does keep happening? School shootings. Those keep happening. So how, how about Keep having that conversation, but protect our children today with armed guards, whoever they are. If it's an SRO, a school resource officer, that's there um, every hour the kids are there, fine. If it's not, it needs to be somebody there armed. And in most schools, that's going to fall to the um, to the school employees, many of whom carry concealed off campus and have for decades. The other part of this is, imagine if, like pilots one out of every 10 school employees were armed just the same way. You know, 
we can't, we can't have that many cops. We can't have one out of every 10 employees, the equivalent in police officers there as SROs. Also, cops don't have the same knowledge of the school, same knowledge of where everything is. They, they don't have the same investment of what they're protecting. Now, this, this, this is the only thing that will work. By the way, I say this with no pleasure. These ridiculous, placebo, feel-good, do-nothing laws are going to pass in Colorado. Sure. It breaks my heart. It will turn law-abiding people into criminals for no reason. It's not going to stop a 17-year-old who's going to say, oh, I now have to be 21, not 18, to buy this gun. Shucks. Shucks. <laughs> I guess I won't steal this gun. Oh, the guy who used an axe to break into the strong box to steal the guns. Oh, I guess... I guess I can't have this gun. I'll have to have a three-day waiting period before I break into that cabinet with my axe. Shoot. You know, um, it drives me insane. And I, I guess I really need to make this part clear. I sympathize more. Maybe I'm more angry about this because I was one of those emotionalists. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I see the kids marching down there, I was in high school when I was most passionate about gun control. I was in college when I was giving money to Handgun Control Incorporated, mm -hmm. now Brady, the Brady campaign. I know what they're feeling. I know exactly what they're feeling. And it's a simplistic, right. wonderful thing because when you're that young, it's easy to be simplistic and to be somebody's useful idiot. And that's why I can feel comfortable calling them that because I was that. Yep. And they're being used. And because they're being used, more children will die. Right. And I feel perfectly comfortable saying that. And I will defend saying that. And it's sad because when more people die after this, those kids won't know that they're part of those deaths until they're older adults and realize, wait, I just delayed the real solutions. And it might be years and years until we get to those real solutions. You know, there, there was a sign that I saw in those marches that said, um, protect students, not guns. And um, my thought when I saw that was protect students. Cut the bottom part off because protect students right. at all costs, wh yeah. whatever it takes. Nothing should be off the table. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, if one in 10 school employees was armed, th there's a lot to the deterrent effect. So... Um, in Nashville, the, the police chief at his press conference um, talked about in the manifesto, which at, at this, era, this taping has yet to be released, but that the manifesto talked about another location. The Shooter's Manifesto. Sorry, the Shooter's Manifesto talked about another location in Nashville um, that seemed to have more security. I don't know if it was armed security. The, it was that vague how the police chief said it. But there is a location in Nashville that was better secured than the, the location that was eventually shot, shot up. They lost zero people because of the deterrent effect. Um, that, that's a big deal. Um, we, we see lots of this stuff about what the deterrent effects are. There are a lot of faster schools that have, um, they've taken the gun-free zone stickers off, these little stickers that are on their door, and replaced them with something that looks kind of the same, but says we have armed staff, all the way up to um, one of the schools that 
has come through our program has a, I don't know how big this sign is, eight foot by 10 foot or something in the parking lot um, that says that such and such school district has armed employees. Um, they have they have never had a school shooting. In fact, the trend line of school shootings at schools with armed employees is flat at zero. I know it's a small population, flat so probably zero. not statistically significant. And I'll just say that for all my statistics friends out there. Um, but I like the trend line flat at zero um, because th- that's that's where a killer would. If they know that that's an armed school, which the word is usually out in those communities, doesn't want to risk dying before um, he has completed his task. I've seen the signs that say our students are protected by armed school staff. Now, one, I know emotionalistic anti-gun people, as I was one, if I had to drop my kids off at that school... uh, an earlier version of me would go, what, they have guns? Uh, But at the same time, I would drop my kid off at the shopping mall where there's a security guard who would have far less training Mm -hmm. on that gun. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the weird thing. I go shopping at my King Supers, the one with the mass shooting, and I see the sign that says no guns because I'm sure everybody follows that. Sure. And I see the high-quality security guards that they put there, and it just fills me with a sense of great comfort <laughs> and, and safety. Safety. Seeing the high-quality minimum-wage guys they have there going, I know these guys would gladly lay down their lives uh, for the $16 an hour they're mm-hmm. getting paid. No, these, these, these guys look like bumpkins. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. And so... The same parents will drop their kids off at the mall and with these guys with guns, but feel weird about that sign. Whereas I feel very comfortable sending my kid to a school that had that sign. And sending my kids to Boulder Valley School District schools, which I'm not surprised there was a shooting in Boulder Valley, uh, in a Boulder school or Boulder um, uh, King Supers. It's a weird, high-pressure place. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad my kids survived those schools because if there was going to be a weird shooting, I wouldn't be surprised there. Right. I wouldn't be surprised in Cherry Creek. I wouldn't be surprised anywhere. And the fact that I send them to a gun-free zone is terrifying as a parent. Oh. Yeah, and when you talk about seeing the sign and, and feeling a better sense of safety, um, I live in a county that's not Boulder County. It's significantly um, more accepting of of people who, ordinary citizens who are armed. And, um, you know, not a lot of people, like in the rest of Colorado, not a lot of people open carry. You know, I certainly don't. Um, But when you see somebody who's not a member of law enforcement who's open carrying, nobody feels anything other than, okay, there's another gun in the restaurant with me. Um, I'm I'm perfectly okay. So, you know, there there are... um, different um, community norms, I guess, even within um, within Colorado on firearms in particular. But the whole the whole notion of um, this is the thing I'm, I can't get can't get past right now. Everything else is more protected than our school children. Everything. I want you to say that again, because that is the emotionalistic thing that those people who seem to 
dwell in the oppressed oppressor worldview. Those are certainly the people who sit on the Denver school board. Sure. The Black Lives Matter anti-police get those racist cops out of our schools because, and I've seen the quote from Tay Anderson, when he celebrated removing the cops mm -hmm. because there was a pipeline from cops in school to prison. He said that with cops in our schools, they are targeting our black kids, harassing them, arresting them, and that starts them in a lifelong pipeline to prison. By getting them out, he is helping kids of color by breaking the pipeline to prison. Unless they're killed by a school shooter. <laughs> well, then they're not going to prison. <laughs> yeah, th this is my point. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you, have to, you have to look at um, in a dangerous time like this with, with these children unprotected, um, schools need to return children home alive to their parents every day. Every day. That does not seem like a high bar to me. So for school districts that are not, not willing to look at that and say, um, I have to keep these children safe. I have to teach them and keep them safe to return them home alive every day. So everything should be on the table. Every, uh, every policy, every procedure, up to and including having lots of armed people around. At least have the discussion. And, you know, I speak at a lot of school boards. I speak to a lot of parent groups. The thing that um, a lot of parents don't, haven't bumped into that I have is there are school boards out there that won't even have the conversation. They, they won't even talk about it. And so it's up to parents to be the ones to go to a school board and show up with 50 of their closest friends and use their three-minute public comment to make it very clear to the school board, you have to have this on the, on the, um, on the agenda. We have to discuss this as a community. If then you vote against it, then you know, we'll, we'll act accordingly at the ballot box next time but to not even talk about it. Let me, let me take that for a second. Be careful how I word this. Colorado legislature voted to take away some of the immunity that police officers have. That if they act improperly, they are up to a certain point uh, can be sued personally. That is, if, if they act differently, if they act uh, in a way that someone gets harmed. Now that localities have the right to take away our gun rights, a lot of them are saying you can't carry concealed. You can't carry concealed in the places where mass shootings have happened. You can't carry concealed in schools where there's shootings. You can't carry conce concealed carry in stores where there have been shootings. You can't concealed carry in houses of worship where there have been shootings. Movie theaters. And you can't conceal in movie theaters. And it makes me wonder, now that we can't defend ourselves, if, if we are murdered or injured because of a shooting and they have taken away our right to self-defense, it makes me wonder at what point will those elected officials be held responsible? Right. Now, we can always sue the, the, uh, the district. School districts will be sued. And if they, don't, if they don't consider this, or if they say no 
to armed uh, staff. And a shooting happens, what will, I understand this, will happen is these districts will go, go broke under lawsuits in the future. As it is shown that this is an effective and really the only effective way to, to protect children. And we said no to it or we wouldn't even look at it. Uh, sooner or later, maybe later, but these school districts will go broke because they refuse to protect our kids. School is compulsory. It is conscription. You have to hand over your kid for seven hours a day. Unless you're rich enough to homeschool or a private school, you have to. You have no choice. They take your kid. There is a responsibility that your kid be returned safely. Right. There's, there's a, a phrase called in loco parentis, in place of the parent. Um, when my grandkids are with me, they are protected. Um, when a parent turns their children over to school, as you said, they have very little choice in the matter. The expectation is that you are acting in place of the parent, in loco parentis. And that includes, um, you hear about the mama bear thing, that if somebody tried to take your kid, that you would do whatever it took um, to protect your kid from being kidnapped or harmed. Um, are those school employees going to act the same way um, with the same um, passion as you would as the parent to protect your children? I'll tell you, I've met 300 people over the last seven years who I could absolutely say, yes, they will protect those school children just like a parent would. They call them my, my kids. These are they my kids. They will if they have the tools. Yeah, if and the these are the people district, I've met. If the school district lets them. Yep. Yeah, and I'm talking about the people I've met through Faster over the last seven years, over 300 of them, um, to a person. Um, they, they, will, um, they will stop the killing and save the children. But what I'm saying is, if their school boards do not allow them to do this, yep. then sooner or later, those school districts will be sued, perhaps into oblivion. Yep. Yeah, you're exactly right. And we have here in Colorado the Claire Davis Act, um, the, the gift that the parents of Claire Davis, who was the one student who died in the Arapahoe High School shooting, um, the gift that they gave Colorado is the Claire Davis Act because they tried to get information out of Arapahoe High School. They tried to say, um, what happened? What did you know about the killer? Was, were you doing everything possible to keep my daughter safe? And the high school went, we're not telling you. And um, so the Claire Davis Act um, was passed. It was a bipartisan um, leadership bill, which means that the leadership from both parties said, we're passing this bill. It was right, right at the end of, of the legislative session. Um, so that future um, situations in Colorado have the ability to say that to the school, to say, you didn't do everything um, reasonable to protect my child. And it gives them the ability to get that discovery, to see what happened at the school. I want to go one further. And I might be shooting too high. Pardon the pun. <laughs> I believe, just like the police now have a limited liability for their misdeeds, that if elected officials take away people's rights to protect themselves or their loved ones, they should personally face a liability. Yeah. I believe folks like Tay Anderson should hold up a personal liability 
if people under his charge are hurt because they were not protected. I would go so far as the people of the city council of Boulder, if people who cannot defend themselves in in theaters, in schools, in in, uh, open spaces, are not allowed to defend themselves because they've been disarmed, and they are injured or killed, well, it's because of a change in law. And yes, the city should be held accountable, but those policymakers have to feel a price yeah. too because they personally are responsible for the inability for people to defend their own lives. Yeah, I agree with you. And, I, and I'd also ask um, them to give up their own armed. Um, if they want to disarm the rest of us, I would say you first. Um, so Tay Anderson, we're not going to have any um, police presence at Denver school board meetings, right? You, you yeah. first. Um, all, all of these school board meetings have armed security, usually members of law enforcement these days. So it's okay for them, um, but not for yeah, you first, our children. Tay. You, you first. first. Yeah, this is what is hard for me to keep my composure. Yeah. That all these people want to feel safe, have guns around them. Yeah, I want to feel safe. You know, I'm, I'll I'll pass I'll pass these laws while I've got the state police all over the legislature to keep you protected. Right, and, and you and I can't afford private security. Um, we are our own private security. We don't, we don't have the choices to um, be surrounded by you know, men with guns, so to speak. It, it's only us. We, we either can um, have a firearm with us or not have a firearm with us. Um, nobody's coming to our rescue um, in, in 10 seconds flat if something happens to us. You know, it's- Odd feeling. You know, carrying a firearm is an awesome responsibility. It's not cool. It's it's intimidating. It's something I take very seriously. It's something I do with training and practice. Um, I don't particularly enjoy it. And it's one of those things when I had kids, I had to think about very seriously. Um, I have a handicapped child who does not understand what to do with a gun. And so, like having a constant four-year-old around, I need to be very, very careful about um, where it is and how it's locked up and all those other things. But I found myself even more conscious about having a gun with me when I was with my kids. Mm-hmm. When I was with myself, you know, if I get hurt, I get hurt. But it was really this odd feeling of, you know, it's not about me. I got to watch out for the yeah. people I care about. That was something I really didn't think about. And, and with that, I can understand how passionate you are about what you do and it makes me very appreciative and I can only imagine how you feel about the hundreds of people that have gone through your program. Yeah, I mean, honestly, John, it's been the honor of my life. Uh, I never thought I would be doing this. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I, we sort of invented this um, seven years ago to fill a need 
Um, and I don't have teachers in my family. It's mostly, right. you know, cops and law enforcement or uh, military and, and that sort of thing. So these are the, these are the teachers I know, um, the school employees I know, the principals I know. And my God, are they some of the most amazing humans that I've ever met. And anybody who's come through to observe a class um, is kind of blown away that, oh, these are people who work in our schools and it they've um, never really made that connection to, and they would die protecting children until they hear these discussions that we have at class, because that's what it's about. It is about um, adults taking their training seriously to protect vulnerable children. I think people hear it and they get a sense that these are gunnies. These are yahoos. These are the, these are the over my dead body or out of my dead hands. No. Uh, They're not these, cowboys. They don't, they, they don't have that cowboy mentality of, you know, let me at the bad guy. These are, these, these are people that you would run into at the grocery store and never know. They are um, mostly um, uh, mild-mannered, quiet professionals. And um, you would you would just never know, but um, they take it is a deadly serious. And you talked about the awesome responsibility. That's how they look at it. Um, they they have this responsibility. They are taking it seriously. Um, they train, train, train. And um, you know when you get to some of our higher levels into level three and four classes, um, man, they're 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 shooting. And their, their tactics are up there with, um, you know, some of the, the SWAT operators. I, uh, I had a roommate in college, and he was into Taekwondo. And he worked his, I think he worked his way to a black belt. And I remember we were having a beer or something, and he mentioned, oh, I would never start a fight ever. I'm like, really? Why? You, you know, you're, you're a freaking black belt, you know? You're, you know? And he said, because I don't know who out there knows martial arts and could kick my ass. You know, it was one of those things of, yeah. I don't know who out there is a whole lot better than me. It was one of those things, I wouldn't know that. And he said, before I started this, yeah, I might get into a fight, you know. And, and it, I've heard the same thing about people who carry a gun, which is the last thing I would ever do is pull out my gun or start a fight right. or be stupid because I don't know who out there, which little lady is packing heat. You know, I don't know which old man is packing heat. The last thing I'm ever gonna do is start a fight or do something stupid or right. put somebody in danger because the most mild-mannered person could be the person out there to, to defend his life. Right, and that's back to the awesome responsibility. And I'll tell you from having been on a lot of K-12 campuses, the campuses that have armed security teams, um, they know what's at the end of that. Nobody ever wants to have to draw right. their firearm. And so um, very often when I pull up um, into the parking lot of one of those schools, I am met in the parking lot by a grown-up because I am a stranger. Um, I have been to other schools where I, I walk in and nobody knows who I am and um, nobody's paying much attention. So the, 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 it is a whole different feel, John, um, with these schools that have armed security components. Um, and, and this is my interpretation of it over the last seven years. They know that they have the skill um, to stop a killer. They don't want him coming in the door. 
They don't want to have to do that. If you can, if you can stop the threat out in the parking lot, and as um, as dangerous as I look, um, <laughs> there is there's often an adult that comes and meets me in the parking lot because I'm not known to them. I've heard um, gun trainers say, "So you're walking down the street and you see a bunch of guys stealing your car. What do you do?" And the answer is, you just keep on walking mm-hmm. by because you know. Killing somebody or getting killed right. is not worth it for a car. Right, dial 911. Yeah. Um, and in in faster we go over the use of force, what is the legal use of force? Um, you know, it's not, that's it's not, not it. It's not your car, no that's matter how it. much you yeah. love her. That's not a car. Yeah. Right, let's, let me, one last question. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. We spent all this time talking the sexy part of, of this. There's an equal part that you spend so much time on. You say, stop the shooting. We need to talk about stop the bleeding. You spend a lot of time on the medical side of yeah. this because um, the other part of this is after the shooting stops, there are kids who are bleeding to death and seconds matter there too. Right. And yeah, so we, we teach a, a version of stop the bleed. And um, one of our, our um, inst- I was going to call him a new instructor, but I think he's been around for two or three years now. Um, but he is a Marine. He is a battalion chief in a, um, a Colorado fire district. Um, he's on the active shooter response team. Um, so he actually teaches fire services to respond to active shooter events, and he's a firearms instructor. So not now not only do we have a great instructor for our medical portion, but now um, he can pepper in um, medical scenarios throughout the whole training class. So we could be in the middle of something and Mark says, this person just got shot left leg, save his life. And um, they've, they've got to know that stuff. So, so every year we have amped up the seriousness of that and we're able to include that in our scenario-based training and all that kind of stuff. So um, because if, if, you, if you carry a firearm, um, it's because you think you might need it. Uh, if you think you might need it, expect to get shot. If you cannot save your own life, self-apply a tourniquet, then um, you can't save the children. So it is it is deadly serious. And this goes right back to my first point, which is I want to feel safe. That's lovely. Yeah. Go go back and, and watch Sunday morning cartoons. If you want to be safe, it requires some really difficult conversations right. and the idea of how you apply tourniquets is not a pleasant conversation. It is not. Yeah, the, the medical portion, and, and um, our instructor Mark talks about it this way, um, it's gross and it's scary um, because when, when we are training um, on this bleeding control, um, this, this could be a six-year-old child that you know that's in your kindergarten class and there is bloody gory stuff going on and you have to stop it because you have to save this child's life it's not it is not for the faint of heart john and this is part of why it's been the privilege of my life to meet these 300 but you know what is wonderful and feels good walking around the capitol carrying a sign that says protect kids not guns yeah that's they don't know any better they don't and by the way, I was that high yeah. school kid. Yeah. That's why I can say yep. this stuff. People need to learn more about Faster. Maybe throw a few bucks to what we're doing yep. with this. Where do they go? Yeah, go to fastercolorado.com. We've got 
resources there. We have um, video interviews there. Um, you can send me a note through the Faster Colorado website. Um, we, I, I've talked to, I don't know, a couple dozen parents and schools and school board members just in this, um, you know, just since uh, Nashville. So um, reach out and uh, either me or um, one of our lovely volunteers will get back to you as soon as we can. It We've is, been swamped. You know, I've been here at II for Oh my God, a quarter of a century. And we've started up so many incredible programs and they're all laborers of love. They're all underfunded. They're all a lot of work. Um, nothing like this has ever been created by a think tank. Nothing like this has the potential to immediately save lives. Um, I am so proud that we took a chance to do this, and none of this could ever happen with without what you do. This is your creation, and I'm 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 just sitting back, and and I'm 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 grateful we said yes, and I'm grateful we've been able to to make this happen. It has made me very tired, um, but uh, I I wouldn't I, I wouldn't not do it. It's um, um, as I said, it's it's been the privilege of my life. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.